it's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. If people said, yeah, he's a pretty good coach in the Philly scene, that's good enough for me. Matt means a lot for me because I've stayed here a long time. They said, yeah, he's done a good job there, and he's a good coach. That's that's good enough for me. And our guest this week is University of the Sciences head men's basketball coach Dave Pauley. Coach, thanks for coming by. Okay, Matt, here we go. So as we're talking here, it's a couple of weeks removed, if not even that, uh, from your regular season. How long does it take you to kind of decompress from a college basketball season and kind of uh, mm. put it in context and perspective yeah. and everything? Two days of straight sleep. I'm pretty good after that. <laughs> so it's really just two days of sleeping because you don't eat well. Uh, your time is compressed. I would say two days for me of uh, doing absolutely nothing but sleep. Do you, does it take a while, I don't know if appreciates the word, but to put accomplishments, wins, losses, all in context and, and, and kind of appreciate what the group did? Yeah, I think that that comes, uh, you know, the more you do it, the quicker it comes. I mean, I think you're younger, you, you carry a bad season a lot longer. You know, for me, you know, really like three or four days you look back and you know, really try to look at the positive things. There's got to be a couple positive things of what you've done, the relationships the kids have built with each other, uh, their academic, you know, success, and, you know, as the seniors leave, excuse me, their job prospects, and, you know, they have something mm-hmm. to look forward to. There's no uncertainty. You know, at our place, a special place, where they, they pretty well much know what they're doing we're at the end of the season. But... Yeah, it's a great question. I think everybody would have a different t- timetable on that. But for me, yeah, it's about three or four days. And, yeah, hey, we did this. We did that. You know, there, there, you know, there are some accomplishments. And, uh, you know, at our place, you know, the wins and losses, of course, are important because they count. The games count. and But you have to take in the fact how well they're doing individually, how they're doing is great, how they're representing the school, how they're, you know, are, are they making their parents proud of what they've done, you know, both in on the court and also off the court? And I think we achieve that each year. And uh, you, have, you have a tough season like we did this year. you got to find a little bit more positive. And there is. There is. It's so, it's so easy to be negative. You've been at Sciences for a long time. I think this was 19 years as head coach, and prior to that, 18 as an assistant. I lost track. Yeah, <laughs> 80, 82, 83, I started as an assistant. We were NAIA. Uh, assistant of Bob Morgan, legendary coach, and then uh, Bob moved to the uh, gave up coaching and stayed as the AD in the year two thousand, which is where our first year as an institution moving to NSA Division Two as a uh, as as a full membership. So the NAI days, uh, National Association of Nuclear Athletics. Uh, Many people would not know that in this in this mm-hmm. region. Uh, uh, of course, very very big in the South and the West. Uh, but we were NAI for a long long time as an assistant for eighteen years. What drew you to sciences? I guess it was what Philadelphia College of Pharmacy at that point, right? Right. I wanted to get into college coaching. Uh, that was my my dream to do that. Uh, and I I had known Bobby through uh, just playing pickup ball in Delaware County and working with his son and what people would call AAU today, 
and uh, an opening arised, and I was teaching in public school in that time where, you know, there was a lot of layoffs that time for a young teacher to stay, get get a foot in the door. It was tough. So, I mean, it was a great opportunity for me to get into college coaching. I was only 24, so I really didn't know what I was getting into. And, and I'll tell you, you know, down the road, 38, 39 years later, I'm sure, I'm sure I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I still can <laughs> question what I do. So uh, that really was my goal uh, in teaching and coaching. I, had, I hadn't been in a number of schools where I was, you know, one-year contract with uh, maybe maybe the position will be opened or maybe you're getting laid off because that was the time where the, the school districts were getting smaller at that time. So it was an interesting thing. But I uh, found a niche found a place where, you know, the academics are a priority. Uh, we've done well in our seasons. We've done well in terms of basketball. We've been competitive. And we've done well in, you know, not four years, but 40 years, lifetime stuff. So that's really how I got there. It was like who I knew, and uh, and I stayed. Did you look at it when you came on board as a place that you might be able to set up shop? Or at that age, are you not thinking kind yeah, of big think, picture I like that? I think the younger guys think, okay, I'll be here for a year or two and move on, and I'll move on to North Carolina or Duke or, you know, <laughs> or, you know, or UCLA. But I just think that each year you look at different opportunities. But I think that w- what coaches tend to forget is make your job big time and where you are. And the grass isn't always greener on the other place. Too many people are coaching for the next job, especially at the, you know, the, the higher level. For me, that wasn't the issue. The issue was how, how well can I do my job this year? You know, and if anything pops open or anything arises, fine, just did it. You know, that's okay, too, because I had a, and still do have a pretty good job. Do you consider yourself, because it's fascinating to me, your teaching background and at a school like sciences that's so academically driven right. more teacher more coach well i tell people i teach basketball at university of sciences and i'm in a you know assistant professor of phys- physical education so you know i've been always been that i think it's unique having a faculty position i think there's so many benefits to that that i'm not just truly a coach and being in an academic school that understands that you know that i'm a faculty member i thought that that was very attractive to me uh, most positions now are straight athletics, where I really wanted to be part of the community and and wear a lot of different hats. and And the the phys ed, the phys ed piece that scratches that itch for me. Yeah, and it's and you don't see it as much. I mean, when I got into it, you know, a lot of people did that. You know, the teaching thing, and I, I think there was a connection. And I also know what's going on in the classroom. You know, these guys are missing class, or they're not turning their stuff in. You know, I get to hear that. You know that's that's pretty good, and as a faculty member, I mean, you you know you you work with it, you know, and you head off the pass. Uh, just just too many schools, I think, miss miss that connection where athletics is separate, mm-hmm. where I don't think it should be or ought to be. That you know that you know the, the teaching and and athletics, the the educational part or the academic part of the mission of school should be aligned with the athletics. Going along with the academics and sciences, how do you, because it is such a competitive and such a high-level academic institution, how are you able to approach recruiting? Because I would imagine your pool is shallower than most coaches at any level, Division II specifically. Well, you have to recruit the school. 
first, you know, the academic part of the school. Uh, you have to recruit the kid. Uh, we recruit the coach. What type of coaching does he have? Uh, I watch more practices now than I watch games, which is different. And that's a change mm-hmm. if you look at over. You know, why? Because I'm dealing with a kid more in a practice setting than the, the games are the easy part if you think about it. Um, yeah, the recruiting, uh, well, it's a good. It's good because you don't have to go and when you're on the summer recruiting cycle and you're seeing 900 kids playing a gym, hey, hey, I only have to watch five or six of them. Boy, that makes the job easier. So I don't look at it as a detriment. Uh, recruiting is difficult for everybody. I don't care where you are. Uh, but for me, it, I've always looked as as a positive that, you know, it, I don't have to look at everybody, you know, and it's just the type of kid where – you know, we can get him, or is he going to be too good? Uh, will a Patriot or Ivy League kid, you know, will they recruit him, I should say? Or is he more suited to a D3 environment, you know? Uh, uh, then you have to look at the grades, you know. Uh, we're math and science. We don't have a lot of different toppings on our pizza, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, so you have to look at, you know, what 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 have they done in math and science? So. Yeah, it's a unique approach, but I, I find it a little bit easier because I don't have to go in blind. And, and we're, we're heading into April now, and they've increased the April recruiting thing. So you go to these events uh, in Pittsburgh or, uh, of all places, Mannheim, PA, which are the two big events, and you'll have 36 quarts of games going on. It's insane. <laughs> it's just insane, and I, I, just, it just, I can't do it. But if you know that, okay, uh, we have a kid that's a very good student or you know his parents and he's playing on court eight at noon, I'll be at court eight at noon, that I don't have to fly around and worry about that. So, I, you know, again, yeah, I think it's difficult for everybody. For me, it's easier because you only have to evaluate a certain number. One of the things, I love following you on Twitter. You don't tweet often, but I think your updates from those recruiting events are legendary to me and I look forward to whatever you put them out talk a little bit about I mean not so much the the Twitter thing but some of the things you just encounter as a college coach that just makes you shake your head at those types of things well I think the first thing you have to understand and what's lost is that summer basketball or AAU basketball or uh, the recruiting cycle in July has nothing to do with high school basketball and has nothing to do with college basketball. It's an entity in, entire itself. Uh, again, getting back to it, you know, back in the days, you'd have to go to five or six or seven leagues to see everybody play. Now you go to one site and you can see 30, 40, 50 different, if you'd like, to see that. So, you know, it, it's it's much more convenient with, with you know, a small college staff where you you know it's it's you get to see more players. Uh, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> it's wild. I I I I I always say I'm dysfunctional, and everybody I'm looking at is dysfunctional. <laughs> so it's a little bit easy. Uh, I'm always I'm always drawn to the Godfather two thing. You know, Senator, we're all part of the same hypocrisy. <laughs> but again, uh, I I think that coaches are drawn to that. Uh, they tend to. Uh, like a moth to the flame, they try to, you know, they, as much as they complain about it and they hate it, they still go it's still because everybody else is doing it. But, uh, yeah, you make the best of it. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I'm not in that uh, 
at a level of coaching where I have to really put up with those people so I can, uh, you know, I can step aside and enjoy the comments and everything. But, uh, yeah, you really, it's like it, you have to be there to understand it and the people that do it, you know, get a sense of humor. But it's just, it, 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 there's so much material. <laughs> just think about the things I can't tweet. <laughs> I've watched your team play for – I've watched your team and I've watched the CACC in depth for the, right. about a decade now. Yeah. And you coached the greatest player I've seen come out of that conference, and his name oh, was Garrett Kerr. Just a transcendent player. Yeah. For people that don't know, son of Flyers legend Tim Kerr, and one of the – just a fluid, natural basketball player. Talk to me about bringing him on board and how that came together. Uh, well, I, I'll tell you that I coached all the Kerr sons. You know, uh, Wes was a very good player. The middle son and Tanner just finished up playing for us. So uh, uh, I've coached 18 sets of brothers. So I think that that, that family thing helped in the recruiting. Uh, there was a uh, Canadian uh, connection. Tim actually started uh, one of his first stops in hockey, in his hockey career, was at Kingston. And my grandfather's from that area in, in the Thousand Islands. So there was a Canadian background. Uh, the Midge, uh, the mom was super uh, interested in academics, you know, and I got to her about our physical therapy program and what we are. And um, uh, the thing about Garrett is usually I don't get the top guy I earmark. He was one of the few that I said, okay, would be really nice to get, and I got him, which doesn't happen in our place often. Often you – you recruit a kid and you lose him eleventh mm-hmm. hour. Uh, you know, I could you know could give you many many examples, but I think that we got in with early. Uh, he played for a great high school coach, Tom Faracco, in Middle Township in South Jersey. Uh, Tom was a great coach. I had a friendship with Tom. Understood that this would be a good good landing site for him. Uh, little did they realize how good he was. I knew when Tim called me and said, you know, he's coming. I knew my the next four years, my problems were over because I knew that I had not seen anybody with great hands like he had. You know, the key to one of the key, key to Garrett's success was uh, two things: one, he had great hands, and two, whatever I told him, I didn't have to repeat. I mean, some guys you drill and drill for four years, trying to just say, you know, I had a couple this year. Just say, can you catch the ball with two hands? <laughs> it's the same thing. But with him, that was his learning curve and his ability to assimilate information without repetition was just staggering. Uh, so, uh, and again, you know, he's a big part of what what I've done. I was very blessed to coach Garrett and West and Tanner, and you know, with with that type of uh, gift that the Kerr family put on me, uh, just um, just spectacular. Just think that, Matt, he was the national player of the year for two years mm-hmm. coming out of a small science school on Woodland Avenue. Yeah. It, it just, you know, I could talk a long time about Garrett, uh, you know, but he, he, you know, he's just a great student. He was a great teammate. And uh, senior year, we won the regular conference season and we won the team sportsmanship award. That doesn't happen too much. And that's th- those are things that 
you know, we take great pride in. And, and again, he's very close, and I'm very close with him. And that's the type of relationship you can have at a small college. Uh, but, yeah, it was like Haley's Comet. Comes once every 76 years, we're lucky to have him. Yeah, I mean, because the thing that was about him was, you know, listed at 6'4", led the nation in rebounding. Oh, yeah. Because he just wanted it more than everyone else mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. was so good at the angles. And you mentioned the strong hands. I remember yeah. the first time I shook his hands, like shaking a block of granite. I mean, yeah. was was really something. And yeah. he was able to to lift the, the group. I mean, to, to incredible heights. Because you guys had, what, the win over Drexel. Was that the same year as the NCAA tournament? Yeah, that was his senior year. Uh, we beat Drexel there. Just a staggering accomplishment, and we went to the NCAA regional, won the opening game, and lost a tough one in the second round to Southern New Hampshire, which if you watch TV, they have all the ads on ESPN <laughs> for the online thing. There's a little plug for Southern New Hampshire. Uh, we lost to them, and they were eventually regional champs. Uh, I thought if we had gone back, you know, looking back, we had gone past Southern New Hampshire – I thought we could have had a good shot of winning the regional that year. And IUP, Indiana PA, we blew a 17-point lead there and lost by one, and they made a national finals. So I think that we, you know, we finished 18th in the regular season polls, and Garrett, of course, had a number of individual things. But that team was really – that team was built for a national national run. National run. And, we, and I think that we accomplished that with that group. You know what I mean? You know, we had Garrett as the, the cornerstone as the freshman, and we had the pieces each successive year to build around him. Is coaching as much fun for you today as it was when you started? Or is it a different type oh, of it experience? Be. It better be. <laughs> you know, I just think that, um, no, I think the losses still linger a little bit longer. Uh, you know, uh, when I was assistant or as a head coach, I think it's the same. I think that... Um, uh, the noise around the season, the other stuff, the academics, the travel, you know, practice time, trying to, you know, we struggle for and, and for practice time to get everybody there because of the class schedules. Uh, that wears on me more, uh, the operations part, than the games. I mean, you know, we go in and we, we, we play our, as well as we can and try our best. Yeah, I can accept that. It's, it's, you get older now. It's the bus rides. It's the operations. Hey, man, I still do the laundry. <laughs> I still do the practice gear and lay out the uniforms for them. So, I mean, that, 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 that's tedious, but that's part of the deal. Uh, yeah, the, the wins, the wins are good and the losses are bad, but I mean, I just think that for me doing it a long time, just keep an even keel. You're going to have, Great highs and great lows. So it's more of an even keel. If, that, if I said that's one thing that's carried me through through my tenure, 38 years or how long it ever been, has been, is that just try to not to get too high or not to get so low. How much do you enjoy being a part of the Philadelphia basketball family? How much does that mean to you? I think it means a lot. I know that when we go to the Final Four, the people just can't believe the Philly, the Philly guys and you know the tradition, the high school, and how we get along with each other, and we actually play one another and we get along with each other. So that's always good to see at the national level. I think for me, personally speaking, if, if 
if people said, yeah, he's a pretty good coach in the Philly scene, that's good enough for me. And that, that, that means a lot for me because I've stayed here a long time. They said, yeah, he's done a good job there and he's a good coach. And that's, that's good enough for me. Philadelphia basketball is a tradition. The Mummers are a tradition. They're both important parts for you. Talk about the Mummers. Where did where does that come into the lexicon of the Dave Pauly experience? Is well, it something you grew started, up with? That, yeah, it started a long time ago. Um, I was with the Schuylkill Strutters. My best friend, Mike Tobin, was uh, dating a girl from the pocket. and We wanted to do the Mummers, and Mike eventually married Patty. And Mike and I started doing that. I, I won't even mention the year. But, uh, yeah, it's good. And then we merged with the Bryson uh, Wench Brigade. There's a number of Wench Brigades. I marched with the Brysons and Eddie Bryson. You know, Matt, when you're, you're a coach, you have so many families. Mm-hmm. You know, you have you know, your school family, you have your team, and, you know, you have your alumni, you know, you have your fellow coaches, you know, and the coaches you coach against. There's a lot of families in coaching. And the Bryson certainly are, are another extended family. Uh, it's a family unit. Uh, the parade, of course, has changed over the years for me, uh, but I still enjoy it. Okay, I can still catwalk up. The, you know, I can do, still strut. And uh, you know, they asked me one year what my uh, New Year's resolution was. I said to be able to do it again the next year. So it's a nice tradition. Uh, again, the Brysons, a shout-out to the Brysons. I mean, uh, that's that's an extended family, you know, and I, I consider them my family, and they're wonderful people, and they're truly legends within within all all mummery. Uh, don't know how to explain mummers to other people. <laughs> uh, I don't know when people ask me about that. I, I don't know if I can explain it unless you have actually seen it. Uh, I, so I won't attempt it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How much time does I mean? Because New Year's Day is right smack in the middle of your season. I know it's you know, the holidays. Oh, and it's tough this year yeah. because they moved the conference games up to the third, <laughs> so we actually had a practice January first. Now, we you know we have a couple meetings. Uh, you know, there's no practice. It's the wench. It's the wench brigade. It's the traditional mummers, the comics. So we just get up there and go and get up there on a New Year's Day. Uh, yeah. So for us, you know, it's always been important through, through my coaching thing is that they have the holidays, they have Christmas, they have New Year's, uh, they have Thanksgiving. Uh, most teams do practice during their stuff. I've never done that. I've always felt that that's a family thing. Uh, uh, but you know, New Year's Eve for me, nothing. I mean, you know, it's it's New Year's Day that counts. Uh, so uh, in terms of practice or time, it, you know, it's 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 very easy to do. Bryson's or, or you know. Or very uh, accommodating with me and with everybody in the thing. And we just get up there New Year's Day. We get our makeup at EOM and we start going. What's your favorite part about the day? Oh, well, I just think the whole experience is a lot of laughs. It's, it's good to see people you haven't seen in a while. Uh, it's good to see people on the street there watching. Um, getting the makeup on. Getting the costume on, spray painting your shoes gold. Yeah, all those little things is what you remember the most. Uh, you remember the people you march with, your friends, you know, the the people you, you don't see as much now, you know, because, you know, families and life gets in the way. Uh, I would say the makeup. Getting the makeup on, yeah. Getting the makeup, getting the, yeah, getting the makeup on and spray painting the shoes outside, yeah, that'd be good. What are the do the kids on the team enjoy 
watching you? Do they ever no, talk to you? No, I don't to... tell them I do it. Oh, really? They'll find out now that I do it, but I don't, <laughs> tell, I don't, I don't advertise that. Uh, most, uh, you know, most of them are, you know, we, we don't have as many kids from Philly, you know, in my tenure as we did when we first started. But, yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure some know, you know, see the pictures on Twitter, I'm sure, Facebook. But uh, that's just something that I do. And, you know, it's part of my tradition. I'm big on traditions. Uh, you know, we have some traditions with our program. And, you know, one of the traditions is to compete in the classroom and be a family and have fun and play together. Uh, and but that's something I do, and it's really I, I've always explained, Matt, that's something I do for myself, because a lot of times you do stuff for others, mm-hmm. as a coach, and that's the one day really that I do it for myself. I have a, a one of my former players now marches with me, Jason Wilkinson from Ridley High School, and Jason's done very well, and, and so Jason is now marching. So I, I did get one, I did get one on board. <laughs> Have over your nearly forty years of coaching, have the kids changed much? No, I don't think so. I think that anybody you say has been in a long, uh, long time would say the kids are the same. They want to be coached. They want to be led. They want to be part of a group. Uh, the hairstyles might change, and the sneakers might change, and the length of the shorts might change. The music certainly has changed. Uh, you know, we don't have to listen to boom boxes anymore. Everybody's got earbuds, which is great. <laughs> bus rides home. I mean, everybody, you know, so that, no, for me, there's not a change. You know, for me, the, the game has changed, of course. If you watch the game with a three-point shot, the shot clock, it's certainly a different game than when we started. But for me, honestly, I don't, I don't think uh, the kids have changed. The kids have changed. Uh the only thing that has changed is I think with the advent of social media, more people have a say or a voice on a team, mm-hmm. you know, from the outside looking in. So that that's part of that. Um, uh, uh, without any more comment, I think that that's been the biggest change with, uh, uh, with social media and people have a voice now. And my final question for you, what is your absolute favorite part? Is it the game? Is it the practice? Is it the locker room right before a game or right after a game? If I had, if you had to boil it down to the – what would be at yeah, the top of the say, depth chart? I would say, like most people say, I enjoy the practices, and I enjoy I enjoy the, the win afterwards with the kids. Even though I'm thinking about the next game, I enjoy that. Uh, I enjoy having a laugh. They will probably say they still have a sense of humor left. I do appreciate a good laugh with the team, and and again, it's 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 a nice thing because when you're in practice, you're with the group, and you're with the group, and there's really no outside thing. So that that the practice time is is, the, is my favorite time. I think that anybody would say that. Um, uh, in, uh, the wins, of course, are enjoyable, especially sharing with the team. You know, knowing that you, we've done pretty well and. You know, we've we've had some kids that, you know, we always try to focus on that everybody helps us win. And, you know, you might want to say, hey, somebody had a good practice and he's never played. But he pushed the starters mm-hmm. in the game and you recognize that. You know, th- that's exciting. Yeah. University of Sciences men's basketball coach Dave Pauly, thanks for coming by. You're the best.
Thanks for listening to this week's show. One-on-one is a sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And you can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on iTunes and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one pod, and you can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks again to University of the Sciences head men's basketball coach Dave Pauley. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Pauley. I'm Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.